When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. I am Brian Anthony Davis, your host. Along with me is another host. His name is Kevin KT, Coach Smith. Kevin, what is going on? Brian, how are you, man? Uh, just want the listeners to know, Brian has informed me that uh, he will very shortly, and by shortly we mean in a couple of hours, be turning the big 5-0, so Happy birthday. That's a that's a monumental occasion in a man's life. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I, I'm definitely feeling 50 with the Steelers on a winless streak. So <laughs> I definitely I'm definitely feeling it, but I feel young at heart. And it's nice to the big gift is the fact that we're still watching the football and we're still craving and enjoying it. And uh, I'm I'm blessed to have my family and my family at BTSC around me. That includes everybody that's listening as well. So thank you very much, Kevin. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. You got anything uh, wild and crazy planned or are we, are we laying low for this one? Well, there's going to be steak involved. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, Excellent. There, there's definitely going to be some kind of steak, a baked potato. That's uh last meal kind of stuff for me it's uh nothing huge but just my favorite thing um lots of butter and sour cream a good salad with ranch and french dressing that kind of stuff you know yeah i mean what the hell might as well clog the arteries as we get a little bit older right yeah go for it i have no problem i have a (laughs) i have a christmas party over the weekend as well so that's that's exciting too but really 
in my mind, I feel like the Steelers have an opportunity, even with this huge dark cloud over them, that they have an opportunity to get back in this thing. And if it's going to happen, it should happen this week. Does this does this feel like it's uh, make or break to you? Yeah, at this point, it really does. Uh, it is not. It's when I talked a month ago. Uh, when they were on the streak before when they were really struggling in early October. And I said, you know, we're not really calling them the priest for the last rites, but we might be calling them the family right now. So this is just one of those situations where they really need this win this week to stay in the division. There's a lot. I mean, the other teams in the division have a tough schedule. They, uh, a win and a lot of losses in the conference and a lot of, you know, doable losses with, when I do, I do the show, the rooting guide. And when I look at it, there's the conference could flip upside down again. If the Steelers could somehow, you know, pull this one off, they could be back at number seven, possibly with calculations. So there's so many things that could happen. The steel, the season is still young enough, but, you've got to snap the streak now and it's going to be very tough against a Baltimore Raven team, but the Steelers match up with the Ravens a whole lot better than they do with the Bengals, but that's more for you to elaborate on. Well, it it sounds crazy to say that the Steelers have a chance to turn their season around right now, given the way the last few weeks have transpired We're we're on a three game winless streak, uh, which includes a tie to the, to the winless lions last week was a monumental embarrassment. I mean, one of the, one of the more embarrassing football games in, and I I was going to say recent memory, but just in memory in general for the Steelers, just given the fact that it was a game where you felt that they would account themselves well because of the way that the first game with Cincinnati transpired and the Steelers being accused by some of the Bengals of having quit in that game. Uh, and, you know, you thought, well, they're going to redeem themselves. And they just went out and just played a, uh, a horrible football game from an execution standpoint, but also from a, an energy standpoint, just brought no energy to that game. So, you know, you say all those things and now here come the eight and three division leading Ravens into town and it just feels like they're going to get blown out again. But but I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I mean, Baltimore has been finding ways to win. To their credit, they've been finding ways to win football games, but they have not lit the world on fire by any stretch of the imagination. So this is one of those games where if the Steelers can can uh, keep the game close early and build some momentum and gain some confidence and get the Heinz Field crowd engaged, uh, they can certainly win this game. And I'm not kidding you when I say this, Kevin. This is a team that very well could be 2-9, and nine, the Baltimore Ravens. Because they've squeaked out of so many games and so many late situations where they came back to win. It's like there's a purple and black horseshoe lodged up the posterior of one John Harbaugh. <laughs> we, we lament the Steelers' performance against the Lions, but it was uh, a near act of God that got Baltimore that win. I mean, Baltimore losing lost that, that game. game. They lost yeah, that game. They have fourth and 19. With 25 seconds left from their own, I think, 12 or 13 yard line. And they down. get a delay of game. And they, yeah. it's not given to them. Yeah. Right. And then they pull off this, you know, somewhat slight miracle pass. And then, and then 
uh, what's the kicker's name? I just blanked out. Stover? Justin Tucker. St- Tucker, Tucker Stover. That was a long time ago. <laughs> the best of Justin, all time, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, man. I Justin Tucker hits a 66-yard field goal. That's just uh, – that's madness. So, And then, you know, last week against against Cleveland, they, they, their offense was terrible. They, they scored 60 – I shouldn't say terrible. The offense – uh, ran 77 plays and controlled the ball for 38 minutes. So, so that certainly tells you that they were doing what they wanted to do on the ground, but they couldn't finish anything. They only finished with 16 points. They all their drives bogged down. Lamar Jackson threw four interceptions last week. He's thrown nine interceptions in the last three weeks. That's as many as he threw all last season. And in 2019, when he won the MVP, he only threw six interceptions. So, I mean, he's turned the ball over. They haven't been able to finish drives. They've struggled at times on offense. They they haven't been able to get the ball to their tight ends the way that they that they often do because teams have been able to take that away. And then they're living with the matchups on the outside where where Baltimore's not great. Uh, obviously, the run game has been crippled by a lot of the injuries. So you look at the Ravens and you say to yourself, they're a beatable team. They're a very beatable team. How lucky do you have to be to survive four interceptions from your star quarterback? You know, that's what I'm saying here. They, it just seems to keep happening when they, this team, this team's a winner though, because they know how to find a way. I mean, I can say that they're lucky all we want. We can say that, Hey, the luck's going to run out, but there's no evidence that it's going to run out anytime soon because they keep finding a way. It's, it's amazing. That's the sign of a good team. I'm a big believer that you make your own luck. Uh, I, I think that the Ravens are really fundamentally sound. They, they block and they tackle. And those are two, obviously, of the most important ingredients to winning football games. And when you block and tackle well, you can stay in games, even if you're not doing other things well. I mean, the only way to survive four interceptions is to make sure that you're sound in other phases of the game. And, and they were. They, they're, we know that they're well coached, as much as it's hard to admit that. We know that they're well coached. We know that they that they have a tradition of winning. I mean, if it if it wasn't for the Steelers and the Patriots, I, I think if you're ranking AFC teams over the last 15 years or so, uh, it's probably Patriots, Steelers, and then Ravens third. Uh, yeah, certainly, I, I could not dispute that whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, so this, I mean, obviously, they're a franchise that has a, a strong tradition of winning, uh, and and they're they're finding ways, like you said, to win football games, whereas. The Steelers, unfortunately, have been putting themselves in positions where they're finding ways to lose football games. And, and those are two very, very different mindsets and different realities. So, wow, this, obviously, I, I think that the Steelers match up well against the Ravens and have a real good chance to win on Sunday. It, if it comes down to a tight, close football game where execution matters, the odds favor Baltimore. Absolutely. So let's talk about a few Steelers real quick while while we're at it i want to talk about joe hayden who did not practice for the second day in a row when the day we're recording this is actually thursday so on thursday it was the second day in a row that he did not practice and we do not know what we're looking at with tj watt we've got to assume that he's not going to be playing in this game because the positive test came on on monday i'm not completely sure I mean, he has an opportunity because it's a situation. If you get two, two negatives at the end of the week, you're fine if you're vaccinated. And so 
that could come into play there as well. And I assume he is, but I don't know for sure. But we really don't get into the X's and O's of vaccinations. We we tend to stay out of that here. But what we're saying is if that's if that's possible, then there's there's a chance he could come back. But Minka was in the same position a Monday and he did not play in that game against Los Angeles. So Kevin, without Joe Hayden, which kind of looks that way with that, that foot, that's just an injury. That's just not healing. And I don't know exactly what part of the foot. I don't know what's happening with that, but also with TJ Watt probably being out of this game, it's going to be a lot harder to control Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens offense. Yeah. I mean, t- the TJ Watt injury really hurts because the Ravens are prone to giving up sacks. I mean, they're 31st in the league in terms of uh, sacks allowed, meaning that they've given up the second most. And that's really surprising given the fact that they're usually so good up front and Jackson's so elusive. So what that tells you, of course, is that uh, they're struggling to get the ball out of his hand quickly, that their receivers aren't getting separation, that teams are finding ways to, to keep him in the pocket when they pass rush him. I mean, that's really one of the biggest reasons why there have been so many interceptions is that he's throwing those interceptions in the pocket. All, all four of his interceptions last week were on balls that were targeted to Mark Andrews, the tight end, down the middle of the field. He threw all four of those interceptions in the middle of the field. So the recipe for limiting his effectiveness, Jackson's effectiveness, is to be able to keep him in the pocket and make him go through progressions and turn him into a traditional pocket quarterback uh obviously it would really help the Steelers if uh if TJ Watt was available uh one one thing that's interesting is when I think about how the Steelers are going to try to defend Baltimore I mean if you're Baltimore you're going to look at Pittsburgh's run defense Steelers have given up like almost 750 yards rushing in the last four weeks so that's a huge number and you're just going to try to pound the football at them but Pittsburgh had a lot of success last year in that first matchup the game the game uh in Baltimore where by, by playing a 3-3-5 a three, three, look where they played their base three down linemen, but they played them with th- three outside linebackers. They put T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree and Alex Highsmith on the field together, and they moved those guys around in really creative fashion, and, and it paid off. It confused Jackson. He threw a pick six early, uh, Robert Spillane getting one, and Dupree had a, uh, a strip sack. Later on, that took away a scoring opportunity, and Alex Highsmith had one of his best games uh, of his young career so far. So, you know, if Watt's not in the lineup, can they go to that 3-3-5 look that, that was so effective against Baltimore last year? I, I don't know. It's just such a – it's just such a – I hate to use word inconvenient, but that's the word that comes to mind. Such an inconvenient week to not have him. What about Joe Hayden? This is a – you know, they this is not a great passing team, but – one guy that does not get the acclaim that I think needs to is Hollywood Brown. He always seems to be have a perfect connection. Like his cousin used to always say before he got disgruntled, Ben and Antonio Brown had Wi-Fi. And it seems like there's definitely Wi-Fi between Lamar Jackson and Hollywood. And this guy is always seems to get loose against the Steelers. I think he has five or six touchdowns in his career against Pittsburgh. And it's a young career, Kevin. So with Joe Hayden, not there, are we continuing to look at the Steelers as 
troubled in the secondary? Well, the, the, the big problem, of course, is if you commit to stopping the run, you now have to drop a safety out of the sky and play some kind of a one-high look. And then that's going to open up the post for, for Brown, who is uh, certainly a speedster and, and runs that route well and had success, like you just said, uh, doing it against the Steelers. So the Steelers are going to have to work really hard to disguise their looks. If, I mean, they're going to have to show some too high stuff and, and, and work some really late rotations with their safeties to bring that safety into the box late to defend the run. If they show too many one-high looks and they stay in it uh, post-snap, then that's going to make them vulnerable because, like you said, I don't know if there's anybody right now on the roster who can cover Brown man-to-man to the post. So the other alternative is, you know, you can, you can show one high and rotate out of that to a two-high look, or you can rotate to some sort of uh, – we used to call it – I mean, you know, like we used to always call it screw coverage where you're, where you're, you're screwing one of the receivers, and, and you would – and you do that by dropping the, your flat guys into the underneath and playing your – your uh, your corner off of him. Uh, sometimes you're you're dropping your flat guy into him and trying to be as physical as possible with you to disrupt his release. Uh, so they've got to play games because Jackson has shown himself prone to being confused by coverages and making mistakes when he's not comfortable with his with his read. Uh, and Brown has shown himself to be really really valuable when he can get clean releases against one high looks, but maybe not so much when teams get physical, disrupt his release, and then you know, put a safety in the sky. So, so it's going to be really important winning first down. If I can add one more, one more thing to that thought, winning first down for the Steelers, getting, getting Baltimore in second and long to take them off schedule and out of, out of what they want to do will, will give the Steelers more flexibility in, in what they're doing with their secondary guys. So that's a big thing. If the Steelers can get Baltimore into second and eight, second and nine, then they can really start to mess around with their coverages and the, and the looks that they want to give uh, Jackson. If, if Baltimore's in a lot of second and three, then now the, the, the play menu's wide open for the Ravens, and that's going to really make it difficult for the Steelers because now they're going to have to react to what Baltimore's doing. So I think first down is a huge down for the Steelers' defense this week. Absolutely. Thank you for that analysis. We're going to go ahead and take a break here. And when we come back, you are not going to want to miss this. We are going to talk about the best way to stop Lamar Jackson and his tight end, Mark Andrews, right after this on, here we go, the Steelers pregame show. It's Ravens week for the first time this season. Woohoo! It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome 
Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. I am Brian Anthony Davis, the podcast producer here, along with the coach, Kevin Smith. So glad to have his analysis each and every week. Kevin, what do you feel like when you see the Ravens on the schedule? Do you get that special little feeling because it's Baltimore-Pittsburgh? I used to. I used to. I don't know how much I get it anymore because... I just feel like it's not its not quite what it was, I think, in its heyday, if you go back about a decade or so. I mean, I, I still love the matchup, but I just remember late 2007, 2008, 2009, that stretch in there. Uh, those games between the Steelers and the Ravens were like WWE events. They, I mean, they were the most physical football games I just think I, I've ever seen in my entire life that the AFC championship game in, in 2008 was, I mean, j- the hitting in that game. I just remember watching that game with one of my buddies and we were like wincing as we were watching that game, the hitting and the collisions were just so violent. And I just, it reminded me of being, of being a little kid, the way, the way the Steelers and Raiders, the, the, the way that those games used to be. I mean, that was some of the first football I ever saw in my life. And we would watch those Steelers Raiders games and, uh, my dad would say, "Oh, the Raiders are a bunch of criminals." Uh, you know, <laughs> so and, um, did Chuck Noll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. He called it yeah, the criminal element. I remember that quote. But uh, so I, you know, I mean, the game's a little bit different these days, you know, and and um, and I and the Steelers right now they're they're certainly not not where they were uh, in 2008. But you know, it's always it's just always one of those games where you know it, I, I love that it's like the feature game of the week. I love that it's the national game that brings some you know, some juice to it. So, you know, it'll still be exciting. I just feel that it's becoming Yankees, Red Sox. And I don't even think Yankees, Red Sox, they both had a, a good season. They played in the playoffs together. I just don't even think that's as big as Steelers Ravens has become over the last 20 years. There's other great rivalries, but I think this is, I remember as a kid and growing up in the eighties, every time it was Washington and Dallas, it was a big deal. And I think it's becoming that way with Pittsburgh and Baltimore as well. So I get all jazzed up for it. Maybe it's the fact that I live in Maryland and I have to hear a whole lot of yapping about it. And I'm telling you in Maryland, and I'm not afraid to say this Ravens fans jump off of the bandwagon. As soon as something's wrong, it is funny. Lamar Jackson had that great rookie season in 2018 just fell apart in the playoffs, his first playoff game. They were they were calling for his head. They were like, yeah, we don't know about this quarterback. I mean, like season ticket holders, everybody, the media, everybody was all over Lamar Jackson, and he was the biggest mistake until the next year he's wins the MVP. And all of a sudden, I knew it all along. Great pick. You know, it's just it's one of those things. They they're very bandwagon in Baltimore, but that's okay. That's, that's fine. There's still a lot of black and gold here in Maryland, and it's a whole lot of fun, and it's a great rivalry for me because I'm Pennsylvania-born, and I'll always be a Yinzer for <laughs> in that sense. So Hey, let me, let me ask you real quick. Is, is Baltimore, because you know it better than I do, is Baltimore a football town? I don't, yeah, I don't you, think of it as a football town, but maybe that's, you know what? that's just because I'm not a local. It's funny because they've become one, but they're still not – they're still not used to being there yet. And I can honestly say that. Yeah. They've won two Super Bowl titles. That's remarkable. Uh, They were definitely a football town when the Colts were there. 
they were, I mean, they were the epitome of football town. It was like Green Bay. It was, I mean, Baltimore was bigger than New York, you know, as a football town, of course. And I would say probably one of the best football towns back in the 50s and 60s. You know, Cleveland was a great football town back then, too. Uh, then things changed, and now Pittsburgh's considered a football town. And other teams as well. I mean, New England, Boston wasn't considered a big football town. It kind of is now, right? Because of the yeah. Patriots. But yeah. I would say that they they have they have good fans. The fans are knowledgeable. They're not like Cincinnati, where they're dumb as a stump when it comes to what football really is. You know, they just it's the eye test. It's like, oh, we're winning. Oh, we're losing. <laughs> and that's it. I mean, they just they just have no clue. But, yeah. you know, and I, I consider Cleveland still a good football town. Uh, but Baltimore, yeah, they're, but they're still, they get rabid for it, but there's still a lot of jumping off when things go wrong. And so if that's what a football town is not, then let's just say they're getting there. Yeah. They're, they're getting I, just, there I, I, I asked because, like, I mean, I've traveled all over the country and, and I, I have friends that live all over the country. My sister lives in Arizona. I do a lot of traveling in, in my summers off. Meet no matter where I go, wherever I go in the country, I meet Steelers fans. I meet Cowboys fans. Uh, I meet Redskins fans. Believe it or not, I meet Eagles fans because there's a lot of transplants, a lot of Philly people that have branched out and moved all, all over the country. Uh, I just don't, I don't ever meet Ravens fans. I don't, I don't know really anybody here locally, which is weird because I'm not that far. I'm only about three hours from Baltimore where I live. I'm closer to Baltimore than Pittsburgh. Steeler fans all over the place here where I live. Uh, I just don't meet any Ravens fans. So I just was wondering, you know, what's, what's their fan base. It seems much more sort of parochial than it does, you know, like national. Yeah. They haven't had a chance to really branch out yet. Their best chance is, with Lamar Jackson and if they if if they win a Super Bowl which I'm not going to say that it's not possible even this year. Um they're coached well. I despise their coach and you said it earlier that they're coached well. I just as a dude I just don't like him. Yeah. I I just think he's a whiner but can the guy coach a football team absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind that he can. I think he's very good. Um I do, I do find him very successful, but I find him very, very irritating to look at. But that's just me. I just cannot stand Harbaugh, and may, like I said, maybe it's just a bias here. But the purple and black make me crazy. But right now, I, I think I'm angrier at the brown and orange. The difference between Pittsburgh and Baltimore, and Pittsburgh and Cleveland, is that a lot of Pittsburgh fans. And even Baltimore fans over Pittsburgh, there's a respect. There's a, a respect because the franchises are good. There's a respect that they can't stand each other, but they're very similar. They're built very similar. Now, I'm not talking. I mean, the offenses are completely different right now, but the way this team builds through the draft, the way they uh, they when they pick up a free agent, it's a smart pickup. I mean, they've got very good front offices. There's a lot of, a lot about Baltimore to admire, but it's just the fact that it is a huge rivalry. Now I would say that, that uh, the fans of Baltimore hate Pittsburgh more, but it's, it's getting there. Pittsburgh really, the fans 
are really down on Baltimore right now. But with the debacle that happened two years ago in Cleveland, with everything happening with Cleveland and even with Cincinnati, there's no respect with Baltimore fans and Pittsburgh fans with Cincinnati and really Cleveland either. There's just no respect whatsoever. So I think that mutual respect is a big thing in this rivalry too. If you lose to the Ravens, it's not embarrassing, Kevin. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to. It, it hurts, but it's not an embarrassment. What happened last week was an embarrassment, and that's what needs to be avoided. So I want to talk about, in the remaining minutes that we have, I want to talk about Lamar Jackson. Sure. And how to stop this guy. Now, I'm kind of thinking you do it with a guy shadowing him like Bush. Spillane's out. Spillane, not only with that knee, he's on the COVID list as of late in the week. So that's just that's just a situation you know you're not going to have Bobby Spillane. So with Bush, who a lot of fans are down on right now, and who I don't think is completely right, he definitely need this is the week he needs to step up, Kevin. Do you even blitz this guy whatsoever? Do you shadow with a bush? Do you blitz him? No, I, 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 I'm not blitzing Lamar Jackson for several reasons. One, because, I mean, Baltimore's philosophy on offense is go ahead and blitz us. We'll make you pay. And they're a great screen team. They'll screen the heck out of you if you blitz them. Uh, they'll get they'll get hot. If you, if you blitz, you got to, for the most part, go go man to man. Uh, the Steelers will get Hollywood Brown matched up or the Ravens will get him matched up one on one. And that's something they'll take advantage of. You got to be able to cover Andrews man to man. He's a tough matchup. Uh, and the, but the bigger reason I'm not blitzing Lamar Jackson is because it, when you blitz, if that blitz does not get home, then and, and Jackson's able to escape. Everybody's in man coverage where they're back to the quarterback running down the field. And now he's out the gate. And I mean, he's just I, even if you even if you spy him, I mean, is Devin Bush tackling Lamar Jackson one on one in the open field? I mean, we've seen the Steelers tackle. It, it's, it's atrocious. I would not spy him with Devin Bush uh, and I would not blitz him. But what I would do is I would I would really rush hard off the edges and have the inside guys, the two interior linemen, try to push the pocket as much as possible, but almost sit down. I think you can't give Jackson an escape route. You know, you push the, you want to push the pocket to make him uncomfortable so that he doesn't have a whole lot of room back there, but you cannot get out of your rush lanes because if he escapes, then you've got a world of problems. I mean, like we, we said earlier in the show, he threw four interceptions last week. Every single one of them came with him hemmed in the pocket, trying to read coverage and put the ball down the middle of the field to Andrews. So, I mean, my plan really would be to disguise my looks as much as possible, but to really, but to rush for, and I would, you know, really kind of change where I'm bringing those four guys from to make sure that, that I always have two interior guys that are sort of pushing the pocket, but squatting, not, not actively really trying to sack the quarterback, but more like sitting, uh, and, and, you know, uh, not providing him a release. And, and be as, uh, in as much zone coverage as I can so that, you know, we, you can muddy his reads. But also, if he does escape, then the defenders are facing Jackson and can, com- can, up and ma- can, can up, come up and make a play. Because if our backs are turned and we're running down the field, he's going to break off big chunks on runs. Real quick, what do we do with Andrews when we're looking at the uh, Steelers taking on the big tight end? Do you bring up Minka at all? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd combo cover him as much as possible. 
uh, you know, drop Minka late if you can, so that so that you can show too high. You don't want to be in in pre-snap one high looks for very long because again, you got the threat of Brown on the outside. But I would when you keep Minka in the sky, combo cover him with a linebacker, meaning that linebacker is going to basically take anything inside or across the field, and the safety is going to take anything outside and vertical. Uh, or I would, uh, if you do cover man, try and show your rotation late so that there's not a, you know, a long pre-snap one high look that Jackson can take advantage of. All right. Final score for this game, Kevin. Uh, maybe I'm just glutton for punishment. Uh, I picked the Steelers the last two weeks, definitely betting with my, my heart and not my head. And I'm going to do it again just because I feel like this is, this is it, man. This is the season. Uh, one thing that encourages me is that everything I read is that Mike Tomlin was very vocal at practice this week. They put the pads back on. They uh, He definitely let the team know that there's a sense of urgency and, and that there's going to be some accountability. So if that doesn't do the trick, then, you know, all bets are off. So I'm going to I'm gonna pick the Steelers in a squeaker. I'll go 21-17. I'm going to go 23-21, and it's going to be – I hate to say it, the Ravens. I'm just going with my head this week just because of the injuries. I don't want to. does not make me less of a fan. I'm just going with my eye test and my eyes are blurry. So with that being said, Kevin, thanks so much for the analysis tonight. Hope you have a great weekend watching the game. Yeah, I'm excited. You too, Brian. Uh, and again, happy 50th, man. I hope, uh, hope it's good to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, just having my, uh, my family and my BTSC family and uh, Steeler football, it's going to be a great week. So thank you so much. And we need you to do three things our BTSC fans. We need you to one, stay safe, two, stay true to yourself, and three, always be behind the steel curtain. Grab that terrible towel now and start rooting. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. 
exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.